This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I am Sanjeev Kalita, editor in chief at Money Twenty Twenty, and I'm here with Rachel Morrissey, our executive producer. What's in the cards for us today, Rachel? Well, actually, cards is quite the apt term for you to use there, Sanj, because today we are taking a look at some interesting moves in the world of credit cards and something which has the potential to fundamentally change how they are issued and who issues them. Ooh, credit cards! Now that's a topic I can get my teeth into. Did you know that I worked in credit cards for over nine years? Well, I mean, of course you did. <laughs> I am hoping you'll be able to share all of that juicy knowledge with our listeners. It might take a while to talk about everything I learned <laughs> over the course of nine years, but I'll do my best to give a good angle on what we're talking about today. I have not worked on credit cards. I mean, I definitely had experience using them, uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and use that knowledge. <laughs> well, th- that's definitely something, and. Uh, you know, th- that's more than 99% of people to actually think about it. So what are we specifically looking at today? Well, I wanted to talk to you about a new venture from Rails Bank. I mean, we've been speaking to their COO. My name is Dove Marmore. I'm the COO of North America for Rails Bank. They just launched their credit card as a service platform. And with that, we're looking at the new wave of embedded financial services. So payments was the first wave. It can be argued that it is ongoing, but the pandemic certainly pushed that trend forward. Contactless payments became de facto in the last 18 months. Right. I mean, the wave started with services like Uber, which subsumed the payment process into the overall experience, and it's just continuing. And the next wave was debit, or banking as a service. That that is the backbone of some of our best-known digital first banks and for companies like Walmart to start developing their own banking or debit products. So Rails Bank sees credit cards as the third wave. Exactly. But as you know, credit cards are much more complex than debit. Yeah, credit cards are harder than they look. First, credit cards have several layers around issuance. One of the first questions is, whose balance sheet should you use? Credit cards can be amazingly profitable for the company when the economy is good, but horrible when the economy is bad. You need a big balance sheet to help you manage that at scale. Another question is, what types of customers do you want to serve? Customers that pay off their bills every month are called transactors. They're low risk, but lower revenue. Customers that carry a balance every month are called revolvers. They're high risk, but they're really high revenue. And we we haven't even talked about the product yet. Then you have a customer acquisition, onboarding, loyalty, retention, balance growth, and you know you, you get the picture. It gets complicated very quickly. <laughs> and that is sort of the point of the entire idea of credit card as a service. You take something very hard, break it down to its components, and figure out how to make it very easy to enable other businesses to create their own. And one thing is sure, though, the demand is there. One of the most commonly used financial products is credit cards, right? And if you look at credit cards, it's still owned by the top 10 banks. No one has actually been able to break into that market. 
So there was a reason that nobody had shifted into credit cards yet. And there was a reason that it was owned by the top 10 banks is actually the fixed cost of getting into that market was so high. But if you look at the other side, look at the demand side of the equation, right? So we have generations of consumers that are unimpressed with the traditional credit cards that their parents had. They're kind of shifting more towards debit, but it's because no one's kind of created an offering that resonates with them. We're also seeing this shift of consumers using financial products from the brands that they love rather than traditional financial institutions. And then the third element is everything gets better when you combine it with something else. Right? Nobody eats vanilla ice cream anymore because now there's marshmallow, lavender, XYZ chocolate because people have kind of combined all these incredible different flavors and use it to create a new experience. That same thing is now happening in financial services that the rewards are so much better if you can embed them into an experience that customer already loves and customize it to their, their particular taste. It sounds like a great opportunity. As Dove said, there's clearly a strong demand for a new offering in the credit card space. And it sounds like he's worked out what it takes to cater to that. You know, I get so excited when we speak to someone who's tapping into a new opportunity like this. It's like striking oil or finding a nugget of gold. How did Dove come up with this one? Well, you know, all of the things in your life that are just an inconvenience or a frustration. Oh, 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 oh my God, yes. I'm not going to list them or we'll be here all night. Likewise, uh, in this case, and like some of the best ideas out there, I mean, Dove experienced an inconvenience. But rather than just living with it, he realized that he and his team had the right set of skills and knowledge to actually do something about it. And that inconvenience came in the form of reward points. So personally, the thing that frustrates me the most is actually trying to spend my points. Uh, I have a major brand credit card that I signed up for for 4x points, only to find out that the value of a point is half of what it used to be. So essentially, it was just 2x rewards. Right? And then I found out that I couldn't actually spend the points on their website directly. I had to go sign up for 10 different loyalty programs and all the different airlines, do all this research. It was one of the worst experiences ever of going from thinking I had all these points to go spend and book an amazing vacation actually going ahead and spending days and days researching and just being annoyed by the entire end-to-end -end process. So I think the first kind of wave of innovation is just going to be to improve the entire rewards experience. The second thing is what you can actually do with those points. So until today, it was really all focused around travel, but there's so many other use cases that points can facilitate, things like using that cash back to invest in your future, using that cash back to invest in your children, using that cash back to invest in something that you care about other than travel. Just like Dove said earlier, besides the fact that the value of these points seems to fluctuate and decrease completely randomly, what the points actually get you are completely irrelevant to a lot of younger generations who have entered or are entering the market. Yeah, especially in the last year or so where travel was far from the top of priorities for a huge majority of the population. I'm sure they would rather have been spending their credit card points on Netflix subscriptions or takeout deliveries or loungewear or oh, at-home cocktails. Peloton equipment? Sure. I mean, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> so you mentioned at the start that this is something which could completely flip who has ownership of the credit card. Right now, it just sounds like we're talking about a card with better, more stable rewards. How does this go from just another card to a true disruptor? Well, an embedded credit card, like an airline card, is all about strengthening the customer's relationship with a particular brand. 
But what this is changing is moving from a situation where your bank or a large business issues rewards to a situation where your local gym or Indian restaurant or your favorite boutique hotel can offer you a credit card where your rewards are tailored to your spending habits with them, despite them being many, many times smaller than, say, an airline. The airlines have been able to do this for a while, but their size allows them to do things like you said, cover these huge balance sheets. Well, th- th- that makes so much sense. But, like, why aren't banks able to do this? Well, I mean, Duff thinks it's because they're a one-trick pony. An embedded credit card is all about deepening your relationship with a particular brand or website that you already engage with on a regular basis. So what we're trying to do through embedded credit cards is change customer behavior, change the experiences that they have with their brands, and provide them rewards and the things that they actually care about. And the reason that banks can't do that and kind of standalone credit cards can't do that is because they're one-trick ponies. They only do the financial service. Put that into an existing brand experience, and it just massively shifts the type of experience you can create between a consumer and the brand that they already love. Ah, so the smaller businesses are able to cater to the much more specific niche needs of their customers, something which big banks have not been able to do up till now. Yeah, exactly. You got it. And it benefits business because it builds a much stronger relationship with the customer to encourage loyalty and return business. 100%. So what they're actually doing is lowering the bar for much smaller businesses to build customer relationships in the way that the big businesses have been doing for a while. This really does sound like a new wave of banking. Oh, yeah. And Dove has some very high expectations of how big this can actually be. And we're talking Amazon Web Services levels of infrastructure here. If we kind of draw a parallel to other industries, A good use case that I always like to draw attention to is Shopify. So Shopify essentially created the end-to-end infrastructure for running your own e-commerce business. Uh, Another example would AWS. AWS built the entire cloud infrastructure for you to run any sort of online cloud-based business. And what they did was they essentially orchestrated and invested in the 90% of infrastructure that sits below the surface that you have to have, but it will never differentiate your brand. Right. And what did those two services essentially do is they ushered in this entire new generation of services that kind of sits on top of that core infrastructure. So most people don't know, but Casper mattresses built on top of Shopify, Warby Parker built on top of Shopify, Away Luggage built on top of Shopify, Third Love built on top of Shopify. All of those brands went after these mega behemoths like Gillette and like Sealy and Victoria's Secret and Samsonite. And they took tremendous market share from those companies. And I think Dollar Shave Club has something like a 30% market share where Gillette used to have 60. That was unheard of, right? And the kind of commonality between that story is all of those industries were dominated by a few really large players who are one step removed from the consumers and had just kind of rested on their laurels over the years and not created much innovation. That is the exact same thing that happens today in credit cards. 85% of the $500 million credit cards in circulation in the US are issued by the top 10 banks. And there is nothing special about a single one of the user experiences. There's nobody who's ever said, oh my God, I love my credit card so much. So by creating the Shopify for credit cards, by creating the AWS for credit cards and kind of creating this this core infrastructure that everybody's going to use, 
we usher in the new generation of dollar shave clubs and away luggages and whatnot that's going to reimagine how credit and consumers can interact with one another to create these brand new user experiences. And on top of that, I mean, it changes the nature of who can get credit. These brands have a much better and wider understanding of their customers. They can extend credit when banks who use more traditional credit scores won't. The last point that I think you're going to see a lot of innovation is really around using companies using their experience of a consumer to underwrite and provide credit to people that otherwise might not have access to it. So for any company, the ultimate show of faith in their customers is to say, I trust you enough to give you credit. Right? And that's kind of the, the last thing that banks can't compete with because they don't hold that secondary relationship with a customer and see that customer outside of their traditional FICO score. In a funny way, I mean, this returns credits to its roots. The economics anthropologist David Graeber, who was an anarchist and unfortunately is no longer with us, so we're going totally rogue on our audience by bringing him in, but he wrote about how we think people bartered before there was money and then they had money and then came credit. But actually, credit came first. For example, they would trade services and they'd say, hey, I'll get you later. They trusted each other to return it because they had a personal relationship. And now these brands who have a personal relationship can extend you credit where formal creditors won't. That's all very academic, but I thought it was funny how circular it can be. Time is an infinite loop. (laughs) We do have a habit of getting a little bit deep on this show. Uh, Either that or just sounding like Stone teenagers. I, I don't know which is which. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either one or, or both. Uh, but I think we've gone off track. The last thing I want to point out about what Rails Bank specifically has done is simplify the process down to its basics. Wow, sounds like Dove and his team over there are really setting themselves up well to have this take off. And there's a lot of opportunity to find success with this specific kind of fintech. This type of uh, service, these orchestrating fintechs, they're not necessarily about the the customer, right? Or and about the end user or even trying to service banks. They're creating a service that allows other businesses to build off of it. There's people like Square that are doing this, Shopify. These, these orchestrating technologies are really about enabling other people to build their dreams. Similar to how Shopify allowed retailers to easily build e-commerce businesses because users wanted to shop online, users are now deciding how to shop and what they buy based on their payments experience. And Rails Bank is providing a service to enable that. And what that means is that these small businesses, I mean, they don't have to be bankers or fintech geniuses in order to have that service. They don't have to have something specifically built for them. They can focus on what makes them great and why their customers are shopping with them already. The other thing that I just find really interesting about the platform business is that you're essentially creating your own index of fintech companies, where essentially there are so many different great ideas that you can deploy in credit card. And frankly, I've just been shocked at some of the innovative ideas that some of our customers have come up with. So the most fun part about this is actually seeing the portfolio that you can create of all these different ideas across the segment, and then using the power of that group to improve everyone's buying power, to improve everyone's risk management, to improve everyone's credit underwriting. So those are the types of things that we're about to start to see in credit that I don't think any individual institution Uh, has actually experienced in the past. 
And that is it for this episode of The Money Pot. We'd like to thank Dove Marmer from Rails Bank for being our guest. We'd also like to thank our own red light, green light, playing sentient 10-foot doll who tells us what to do, Roland Bottenham. And we can't wait to see you at the show. Tickets to the show are available now at money2020.com. And if you like The Money Pot, please leave us a review in iTunes to help others find the show. This podcast will also be live in Vegas. So tell us how much you want to be part of it by sending ideas to podcast at money2020.com. Thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.